So let's say you have this idea for a product that nobody has ever heard of before. Nobody else has created. Like this innovation now has blue sky opportunity for you. But at the same time, now you've got the immense job of educating people about an entire new category of business, both treacherous and intriguing at the same time. You're going to hear from Jonah Lupton, who did just that. He created a company called SoundGuard, which is producing soundproof paint, something nobody else offers. And we talk about his journey. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Podcast Bookers, podcastbookers.com. Podcasts are really hot, right? But you know what's also really hot? Appearing as a guest on one of the many, many podcasts out there. Think about it. Much easier than writing a guest blog post. You get some high-quality content. You get great backlinks. People want to share that content. Maybe you can even transcribe that content. Being a guest on podcasts, getting yourself booked on podcasts is a really, really great SEO tactic, great brand-building tactic. Podcast bookers can get you booked on two to three to four podcasts every single month on autopilot. Go check it out, podcastbookers.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance and my guest today is Jonah Lupton. He is an entrepreneur, advisor, and also a podcaster who has started numerous companies and he admits that some were a success and some were failures. But he's currently the founder of a company called SoundGuard. So Jonah, thanks for joining me. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. So give me a little bit about your background. I'm always intrigued. Uh, this is from your bio that uh, started numerous companies. So tell us, uh, I guess, the two or three minute version of your entrepreneurial journey. Absolutely. So I actually spent nine years after college working for the Wall Street investment banks, the Morgan Stanleys, the Smith Barneys, managing money for wealthy individuals and nonprofits and foundations. Uh, halfway through that, I realized that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I couldn't give up my salary. So I started, you know, figuring out how to launch some projects on the side. Uh, my first venture was back in 2007, uh, failed miserably. And then I did a couple more while I was still employed, all failed miserably. And then I realized the only way I'm going to be a successful entrepreneur is if I do it full time. I can't do nights and weekends. So in 2011, I walked away from the investment business, started another company. And over the last, I guess it's six years, I've started a few different companies. Some were successful, some were not. You know, some were in the, let's see, nutritional supplement space. Uh, I did a couple um, payment startups or fundraising startups, you know, like crowdfunding. And then a couple of years ago, when I was just trying to find a solution to my own problem, which was noisy neighbors in an apartment building, and I could not find anything out there that really solved my needs at an affordable price point, that's when I came up with the idea for Soundproof Paint. Uh, hired some chemists, and for the last two and a half years, we well did about spent about a year and a half doing product development and testing, and then we filed all the patents, and now we've been live in the market for a few months. So this is a silly question because it it sounds like one of those things that that, that seems obvious enough that somebody would have tackled it before. Why has nobody tackled soundproof paint? Uh, it's a good question, and it's usually the first question I get when I tell someone what what I've been doing. 
you know, they, they all say, why isn't Sherwin Williams doing this? Or why isn't Benjamin Moore or PPG, you know, these 30, 40, 50 billion dollar companies, why haven't they done it? I don't have a good answer. Um, I'd like to think that they've tried and maybe they couldn't figure it out. So maybe it was just too difficult. Um, I know a lot of those companies, you know, the, the Silicon Valley, what's the, the saying is, uh, if you want to beat the big boys early on, do things that don't scale. And I, I heard that five or six years ago, and that always stuck with me. And I think there's some truth to that, because these big paint companies, like they want to develop a product, they want to put it on their shelf at, you know, in their own retail branded stores, or they want to put it on the shelf at Home Depot and Lowe's, and they want you to come in and buy it and put it on yourself so it's all DIY. And that's, that's not our product. Our product will never be DIY, because it has to be sprayed on by a high pressure sprayer. So maybe that's one reason is that they just saw too many headwinds going into this market. Um, but to be honest, I just don't know. Uh, I mean, it was very difficult coming up with the formulation. Uh, my guess is we probably tried 20 or 25 different formulations with all types of different pigments and resins and fillers. And I'm, I don't come from an engineering background or a chemistry background, so I barely understand half of the stuff. You know, I can't even pronounce half the things that are in the product. Um, you know, luckily I partnered with some really good chemists early on and, you know, we figured out after, you know, these 20 or 25 formulations that there was a combination of three or four ingredients that when put together blocked out the most sound. And we put all of those ingredients into this product, of course, meaning I don't think any other company out there could come up with a product that was effective as effective as ours without using one of those ingredients and, in, and impeding on our patent. Well, so yeah, so so when you go out and tell somebody in, in a more of a sales conversation rather than a chemistry conversation, how does this work? So we are we're blocking or deflecting sound. We are absorbing a little bit of sound. It's hard to know exactly how much sound is being absorbed, but the majority is certainly being blocked or deflected. So where where we see the best use cases for our product are on walls that are separating two spaces. So you're blocking the sound from passing through the wall. So hotel rooms, apartments, condos, townhouses, offices, dorms and student housing. You know, th those are all the markets that we're starting off with. So we're starting off B2B. So we're selling through our sales reps, through distributors, um, you know, going directly to the end customer. So the you know, the ownership group of the hotel, the ownership group of the apartment complex. We're going right to the facilities managers, you know, at the universities. Like I'm talking to two or three very, very large universities about doing all of their dorms and student housing when summer comes along. So so, so right now you are doing the uh, uh, do we call this installing or the application of of the you're, you're actually doing it with your own people? No. So right now. And I don't know if this will be the case in three or four years. It's hard to know. But at least for now, uh, we are only selling the products. So we're manufacturing and selling the product. And then we partner with contractors to actually install it. So we, we, have, a, we have a training process. So any painting contractor in the country right now that handles commercial projects can come to right? They can fill out our application. You know, we have to do a little bit of due diligence on them. You know, we, we, I want to know who are the employees. They all have to go through background checks. You know, I refuse to let, you know, some painter go into a hotel with key cards and, and cause a problem that we could have found, you know, if we had just done the, the appropriate background check. Um, they have to have the right equipment. They have to have the right insurance coverage. And they just have to watch some videos um, so they know how this is sprayed and, most importantly, how it's measured. 
you know, it's very important that we get uh, 90 wet mills of product onto the wall. Yeah, and, and so what's I was going to ask you that. What's your measurement of success? So when you go into somebody and you say, we're going to make it uh, soundproof, uh, what's the uh, – it's clearly so, clearly the wall's so thick. It's got so much on it today. It's got a sound rating of some sort today. So how do you – what's a measure of success for how you make it soundproof? So we can – you know, um, okay, so we do sound tests up front. So that's part of our – so we have like a two or three step process before we can even sell them any product. So obviously, you know, we have a lot of leads that come into our website. Sales reps are out there generating leads. We're getting ready, you know, going to a lot of different marketing channels to all generate leads. So once we get interest from the property, then we have to diagnose the problem. Is it something that we can help with? Is it a, you know, is it a wall problem? Is it room to room? You know, if there's noise, if they're on a busy intersection in, in downtown Boston and there's street noise, that's a window problem. That's nothing that we can really help them with. Same thing if people are running up in the, you know, running up and down the hallways or slamming doors. You know, we, we can help a little bit with that, but that's more of a door problem. So as long as we diagnose that it's a wall problem, you know, we need them to send us some pictures. You know, if we think that it's an appropriate wall, meaning there's no, you know, weird vents or something going from one room to the next, which you see once in a while. But assuming that it's a project that we want to take on, I would send one of my sales reps. I have 65 sales reps around the country in every major market. They'd go to the property, take some pictures, make a video, you know, shake some hands, et cetera. And then they're going to run their own little amateurish sound test. So each sales rep has a uh, portable uh, speaker system, you know, with a built-in amp and Bluetooth and all that. And then they have a class one sound level meter. So they can essentially run their own sound test from room to room to determine at least how much sound we think is coming through the wall. And then from that, I can sort of predict uh, if we put our product on the wall, how much sound we can essentially take out. And in most cases, well, I should say in all cases, it's somewhere between 80 and 100 um, percent. It averages out around 90 percent, just depending on the loudness of the noise, of course, and then the frequency range. So, you know, mid frequency, we're the best. We obviously do a great job on the high end and the high end and the low end. But the higher the frequency, the better we do. Uh, the lower stuff is a little bit harder to work with, but we still do. So I'd say we're blocking out like 60 to 70 percent on the low end and 80, 90, 100 percent on the high end. So most of many of the listeners of my show are small business owners and marketers. And I, and I know that one of the things that I'm guessing some of them might be thinking is that are there extra challenges in essentially creating a category? <laughs> I mean, you would think, okay, there's blue sky opportunity out here, but there's also challenges because nobody's ever bought soundproof paint before. Exactly. So that is one of the challenges. And that's why we're, we're spending a lot of money on PR and brand awareness and educating the market and a lot of cold email outreach. I know a lot of people want to call it spam. But at the end of the day, I mean, we really did create a problem, a, a product that solves a problem for the hotels and the apartment buildings. So, you know, I, I do believe that some of them want to hear from us <laughs> and we can't get to all of them through conventional Facebook ads and PR and SEO and all that stuff. So sometimes we do have to buy some lists of general managers and blast out a cold email and we actually get some really good response rates. We get great open rates. We get good click through rates. Because I think people in these markets are genuinely intrigued by what we can offer them. Now, and then the challenge is, of course, no one's ever heard of soundproof paint. No one's ever used it. So there's very few searches every month for soundproof paint. 
So I can't just create a bunch of content and have a nice website and put it out there and expect people to find us because it'll take too long. So we really have to be aggressive and proactive and go find them, bring them to the website, you know, educate them, engage with them. You know, it is it is a learning process, uh, especially as we start going into the, you know, the architects and the interior designers. I mean, we can't drop them an email and expect to see us specced into a project, you know, two weeks later. You know, we, we really have to nurture those relationships for a while, build up their confidence before they feel, you know, before they before they feel they can use us on a job and it's not going to come back to bite them. How much skepticism do you uh, encounter? In, uh, in other words, somebody saying, oh, yeah, great. There's no way that works. Uh, I think there was there was definitely a lot of skepticism the last couple of years as I was developing the product before I knew or anyone knew if I could actually pull this off. Uh, once we did a project in Connecticut this past summer and we hired independent acoustical engineers to come on site and do all the testing before and after the treatment, as well as having employees from the hotel in there before and after, it was like, I mean, the the quote the quote that I actually I don't know I didn't I don't think I put it on the website but one of the housekeepers actually said to me when you start selling this and you start making your millions and you buy your mansion on the beach can I come be your housekeeper like it was just it was so I was blown away I mean I really was sort of speechless because that was our first real real world test I had no idea how good it was going to do you know how good it was perform and the way the acoustical engineer performs the test is they bring, you know, they, similar to what my sales reps do, they bring in their their portable amps and speakers, they hook it up, they play white noise at 95 to 100 decibels in one room, and then they go into the next room and they take readings, and this is before we put any product on the wall. So 95 to 100 decibels in one room was translating to about 75 decibels in the next room. You know, 75 decibels is still very obnoxious. So if someone was in that room trying to sleep, they would have been very, very annoyed. And then, you know, we put our product on the wall, three coats, 30 wet mills each, let it dry, takes, you know, we all, we do all that in less than a day. And then the next day, the acoustical engineer came back and did the same test. And we had dropped the decibels from 75 down to 55. And at 55 decibels, you almost can't hear anything unless you get really, really, really close to the wall. So that's where you do have the perception of a soundproofed room. What in some of your previous businesses, and you may have not thought about this, but uh, you may have an opinion. What have some of your bu- previous business successes and failures uh, been able to kind of inform you on this venture? So I actually posted about this a couple days ago. I guess it was last week on LinkedIn. I talked about my first failure, which was a company called Social Track back in 2007. When I literally, I mean, this is, you know, this is the early days of the internet, I guess, for guys like me that are non-technical. And in 2007, I was trying to find a couple of co-founders. You know, I knew I had this, this idea of, I wanted to create a dashboard that aggregated all of your social media feeds into one place. So your Facebook feed, your LinkedIn, your Twitter, your YouTube, all in one pretty, you know, nice to read dashboard. You could see all your activity and your connections and messages, et cetera. And I was bootstrapping it because I was working full time in the investment business. So I was making, you know, 100 grand, 120 grand a year and, you know, paying for rent and everything else. And then at the end of the month, whatever I'd left over, I'd try to put into social track. And I found two co-founders and literally off of Craigslist. And we split up the equity one third each. I had no idea what a vesting schedule was. So we didn't do one of those. And, you know, quickly realized that neither one of these guys was going to be a good co-founder. They were both working full time jobs. They were both married. They both had kids. One was getting ready to move from Boston to New York, so he wouldn't be very involved. And he still owned a third of the company, and I had no way to really get it back. Um, 
and so, I mean, I learned a lot of hard, hard lessons where, you know, if you have a great idea and you realize it's going to take a lot of capital to, you know, take that, take that idea to the market and grow it, you know, you have to go out and fundraise. I mean, as much as it sucks giving up equity in the company, that was not the kind of company that I should have been trying to bootstrap from the beginning. Um, basically, a year after I shut the company down, Hootsuite launched with essentially the same setup, the same idea, and they're now a billion and a half dollar company. And not that I necessarily could have grown a Hootsuite. I mean, they've executed incredibly well. They have great investors, great employees and everything. But it was just a lesson that, I mean, if you, if you don't have the right co-founders and you're not well capitalized, it is very, very, very difficult to scale a company in the technology space. Um, well, I suspect that SoundGuard has been a bit um, capital intensive. It was, yeah. Uh, certainly developing the formula, um, you know, all the testing. So I did not appreciate how expensive all the testing would, do, you know, would be from lab testing to field testing, you know, hiring acoustical engineers, doing fire testing, um, you know, testing on the ingredients to make sure that we could pass all the EPA standards. Uh, you know, so we're considered a, an environmentally friendly and low VOC product. Uh, we're about 105 gra grams of hazardous material uh, per liter. And the EPA says you have to be below 250. So we are well, well below the EPA standards for eco-friendliness, which is good. I mean, that was obviously one of my goals from the beginning. You know, it's a water-based product. Um, so coming up with a environmentally friendly water-based product that could block sound, that didn't infringe on any other patents out there, that could be sprayed onto a wall, you know, could dry within two hours, that didn't sag, that didn't bubble. I mean, it was not easy. <laughs> so... Uh, and it was expensive, you know, the le I mean, I've already spent, you know, in the last year and a half, I've probably spent 50 or $60,000 just on legal work, you know, filing all the patents and, you know, having, uh, manufacturing agreements set up and sales rep agreements and warranties and all that stuff. So, you know, probably 50, 60,000 on legal work, 50, 60,000 on testing, 50, 60,000 on product development, maybe more than that, probably more than a hundred. Um, so it has been expensive. I mean, I've bootstrapped it uh, with just my personal capital and business loans, more business loans than personal capital. Uh, my last couple of startups basically wiped out my personal capital. Um, so I, I went to a couple of friends that are not even high net worth, but they just believed in what I was doing and they're willing to take a chance on this before we even had the product. And I just did the classic, you know, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, like, hey, give me $50,000. And if this thing actually works and we start producing revenue, I'll pay you back double your money <laughs> because, a, because a bank was not going to give me any money. Um, you know, so that was kind of my only option. And then once we had the product, you know, we did the test in Connecticut. We knew this stuff actually worked. I went back to him and I said, give me another $50,000, but now I'll pay you 75% return on your money. And then the last chunk of 50,000 was I'll pay you a 50% return on your money. You know, cause as we, as we took risk out of the company, Obviously, I was not willing to pay him the same terms that I was up front. So what's your what what do you ultimately see your team looking like? So I'm in the process of hiring right now. I would say of all the things that we are trying to tackle, hiring is the one that scares me the most. Um, you know, from running my own podcast for a couple of years and doing 200 interviews almost across the board when I asked the founder, what's what's the most important aspect, you know, or what's been the most critical aspect to your success and growth? And it's always the people. Um, first is people. Second is, you know, focus. Um, so those are the two things that I'm really, really honing in on is one, don't get distracted by other 
meaningless ventures and projects that are going to come my way. And two, I have to get the right people in place. And I've never had to hire on, you know, hire at scale before. And that's what really scares me. So I don't know if I should be trying to do it all myself or if I should try to bring in a part-time recruiter or, you know, there's a couple of companies out there that are trying to invest in us or form strategic partnerships. If I did something like that, one of the reasons would be so I could plug into their HR staff and have their HR team help me hire the right people. Uh, you know, we have 65 sales reps across the country, commission only guys, great people, but it's very hard to get production from them unless you're right in their face all the time. You know, you got to stay top of mind and I can't manage 65 sales reps. And then, you know, we're probably bringing on another 50 distributors. That's too many people and relationships for me to manage by myself. So I need to hire at least a couple sales managers. I need to hire an operations manager, at least one or two to help me go around the country and act as a project manager once things are up and running. Um, you know, right now I'm outsourcing everything else. So bookkeeping's outsourced, obviously the legal work. You know, I, I'm currently working with the digital marketing agency, although I'm getting ready to hire someone a little bit bigger and better. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm quarterbacking a lot of things. Like I'm trying not... Like, I don't want to, I can't micromanage every little aspect of the company. So I really need to get the right people in place and then act as like a manager of managers. Do you have, and again, you may be premature to be asking this question, but do you have a, a kind of an end game in mind or do you just want to see where this can go? Uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, I've certainly thought about it. I mean, I've put together spreadsheets of projections and everything else that may or may not come to fruition. Um, you know, right now we're B2B market, like I said. So the hotels, the apartments, et cetera. In five months, we go B2C. So the homeowners, the small business owners, et cetera. You know, I think this year we can do at least 15 million in revenue. You know, two thirds of that coming B2B, one third of that B2C. I think 15 is actually a little bit conservative. If we bring on the right distributors, I mean, right now I have a couple $250 million companies from Canada, Europe, and Australia asking to be the exclusive distributors in those areas. I mean, and it's just, it, there's so many good things that could happen over the next few months that could take that $15 million number up to 20 or 30 million. Um, I'll say right now, I mean, I've already declined offers for $10 million for the company. It took me all of three seconds to say no thanks. Um, but each of those companies that wants to buy us would also be a great partner for us. So, you know, whether they make a strategic investment or whether we put together some sort of a joint venture partnership, I mean, all that stuff's on the table. I'll be in Boston all week meeting with a couple companies to discuss those things. Uh, VC firms are starting to call me, but right now I don't want to, I'm just not ready to go down that VC channel. I don't think it's ever going to make sense for us. I'd rather focus on strategic partnerships and strategic investments from big, big paint companies. Uh, we are not, so one thing to mention, we are not the finish coat on the wall. So we're like, we're like a base coat or primer. So you know, that, that customer still needs to buy the, the blue paint, the purple paint, whatever's going on, you know, on the wall. So Sherwin Williams and Benjamin Moore and Valspar are really not our competitors because they don't have a product in this space and the customer still needs to go buy the product from them. So, I, I mean, it's very easy to see the, you know, the path of, of an acquisition someday from one of them. You know, if we're able to prove that there is you know, there's a valid market for product like this and we can grow our revenues to 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars over the next couple of years, then there's no reason to think that they wouldn't want to buy us for four or five times that and plug it into their ecosystem and put it in their stores and, you know, turn it into a billion dollar product. 
So, Jonah, where can people find out more about uh, SoundGuard and kind of your your journey with SoundGuard if they want to check in? Yep. So, I mean, if anybody wants to email me, I'm always happy to talk to anybody or go back and forth. My email is Jonah, J-O-N-A-H, at SoundGuard.io. And the website is SoundGuard.io. Uh, obviously, we're on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, too, under under different handles. So, um, But certainly, come to the website, sign up for the newsletter. Right now, over the next six weeks, if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll be entered into a drawing for $3,000 of free soundproof paint. Um, and it doesn't cost you anything. You just have to sign up for the newsletter and put up with our content. Thanks, Jonah, for... Uh joining us today and uh, I really I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to follow your journey and uh, I, I always find it really intriguing when people have an idea and an innovation and they uh, they bring it to the world and uh, hopefully we'll we'll see that thing take off for you awesome thanks John I appreciate your time today thanks for having me